We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Historic events always seem to happen in Cincinnati, Scott. First, 2003, Derek Jeter named captain of the New York Yankees. 20 years later, 2023, the Aaron Hicks era is officially over. You know what? I wasn't going to do victory laps here with uh, getting Aaron Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks at out of there because I still have another piece for, for my, uh, my, my bull prediction really was in two pieces had to do with a minor league guy coming up as well. But the Aaron Hicks thing, it just makes so much sense. And frankly, what I see Greg Allen giving me the effort that he's given me makes, makes even more sense. That guy can run, he can, he can field, he can, he can do all the things. And Aaron Hicks, you know what, just has a bad attitude and wants to play golf. And guess what? Now he can watch the final Sunday of PGA. Congratulations. So, Luis Severino made his return to the mound today. Ordinarily, yes, that's a that's a lead for our podcast. But when yeah. Aaron Hicks gets DFA'd, mm. that supersedes it. And, and that is the lead here. And the fact that it is Greg Allen, he was DFA'd for a roster spot of a backup outfielder, is such 
a warranted slap in the face to Aaron Hicks. This is not a starting outfielder coming in. This is not them trading for someone or making room for a top prospect like Jason Dominguez is what you were alluding to, I think, in your bold prediction. No, no, no. This is a scrap heap backup utility outfielder that has been on this roster in the past that they traded for from the Boston Red Sox who didn't want him on their minor league roster. This is such a slap in the face to Aaron Hicks. And it is great because you're right. He deserves it. He has been complaining about playing time for the past couple of years while he's been a below league average offensive player. He's dropping balls in the outfield. He's no longer an elite outfielder. I don't want to come off the bench and just face closers all day. Okay, well, then you know what? You're going to get DFA'd for Greg Allen. The funny, the funny thing about it, and it just does kind of tell you how baseball is because in other sports you might see a guy hang on because of what he just recently did but he was swinging the bat as well as he has probably in a year and a half uh maybe most he recently for a short it was coming time. maybe he heard some rumors some rumblings that the yankees were eyeing greg allen who's going to take his roster spot well you know I, I i joked with a uh just a message in our our chat um with the greg allen signing i mean like franchi cordero greg allen uh, you got Bowers, you got uh, Willie Calhoun. They're they're all essentially the same player, you know. Sure. You add Aaron Hicks in there. Oh, I I can't because he's actually worse than all of those guys, and that's what happens, man. You know they they're eating how much thirty million dollars, something like that. They're eating a good amount of contract. Twenty seven point yeah. six million dollars over the next two and a half seasons of the original seventy million and seven year contract that they gave him prior to the 2019 season. Well, I was looking this up just before we started recording. So from 2019 through now, he has produced 2.8 war for the Yankees. That is $25 million per war of that $70 million contract. So again, it always comes back to the, oh, the AAV, it's not that bad. Who cares? Still, that was an overpayment for an injury-prone Aaron Hicks player who was already entering his 30s when they gave him that contract. That was a dumb contract, despite the fact that it was only $10 million per year. And you're right. They were able to eat it. They finally came to the conclusion, we can eat this. If he was making $15 million and it was a, a, a shorter contract, maybe they don't eat it, but we're still in the, the same exact position we are now, where this is the last year of Aaron Hicks one way or the other. Yeah, and, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, one year or three years. You look at the total dollar amount that they're eating, and and it is what it is. And again, if you look at the production or opportunity cost when you have a guy like that on the roster, um, there's going to be more, you know, when Stanton comes back, something's got to give. So it, it was inevitable. There just weren't enough spots on this team for him to stick around, and he's not playing uh, well enough to warrant a spot over any of these other guys. Uh, he's just, just not. He can't even run the way he used to run. So... Um, yeah, I'm just glad it's over. I'm glad they finally, I'm glad they did it and didn't dick around for too long and, and, uh, and, and just cut bait so, so we can move forward. Well, some, some will argue that they dicked around for too long, that this well, should have happened yeah. months ago or a year ago or whatever it was. But yeah, you're and, right. I mean, well, Greg Allen does provide some different things than, than Bowers and Willie Calhoun. Like Greg Allen is a purely defensive pinch runner type of outfielder type of roster spot where, you know, Willie Calhoun's Calhoun got some so, wheels, man. He's like a he's yeah, like but a he's, little, shown, he's like a mini baby pudge. He's shown some power at the plate. Every time Bowers steps to the plate and strikes out, we're reminded that the Yankees love his potential offensively. So, okay, still waiting for that to come through. You get a meatball rolling downhill, and you got Willie Calhoun. You, right. you, you can get that thing going. You get that uh, you get that BMI going, and and it's hard stopping it. 
So a couple quotes about the situation. Aaron Hicks said, it is what it is. It's part of the bit. It's it's part of the business side of it. Just got to move on to the next chapter. This is a very good baseball team. It kind of seemed like it wasn't working out for me. Oh, no shit. Did it seem like that, Aaron? Aaron Boone said, this is family. Was that before or after you weren't hitting the ball? You realize that. Was it just because the, there were a lot of people or I'm just curious as to why so he thought it this, wasn't going to work out? This Aaron Boone quote, it's funny because like the new Fast and Furious just came out and it's like if you There's read another this, one? Is it, it, this is the 19th fa- of the... Fast, fast 10. But you could read this like Dom Toretto. This is family. You go through everything with these guys. Obviously with Aaron some ups and downs. He's had some really good seasons. It wasn't as easy a conversation to have, but once we felt what one we felt was necessary. Okay, first of all, I just learned something. I had no idea you were a Fast and Furious guy. Did definitely I not take seen, you from a Fast I and Furious. I liked it when, you know, RIP Paul Walker was. I haven't seen the last two. I saw up until I seen the, the last six. <laughs> I saw no, up until Fast 8. And Fast I don't think 8 I've ever seen wasn't one. that good. I don't think I've ever seen Fast, one, nor do Fast I care five, to see one. Fast Five's a good movie. That's a good yeah. movie. All right. The Rock's in it. It's a fun movie. That's a good action movie. Were you just uh, impersonating Vin Diesel? Was that Vin Diesel? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not saying it was a good impression. I, I mean, I, I knew who it was, I guess. Okay. And then Brian Cashman was talking to the New York Post, and he said, obviously, it didn't work out in the near term. I felt Hicks was a good acquisition and played a key role for a while, but he was injured for a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. First of all, Brian Cashman's still talking about the acquisition he made. And when was that? 2016? Aaron Hicks was acquired. So we're still talking about the acquisition. Okay, fine. Was the acquisition smart for John Ryan Murphy? Yes, Brian, it was. But the seven-year contract you gave him was not good. And again, like I'm not, I, I, I don't like Aaron Hicks, the player, because he's become worthless. But the the contract that that Cashman gave Aaron Hicks at that time, I actually had no problem with it. So I'm not going to go back and just act like I, I've never been, uh, you know, on board with him as the player and and the fact that they they locked a guy like that up who seemingly was figuring it out. And I do think that injuries got in the way of a lot of things because he was starting. Why to does play everyone well? just say, "Oh, but injuries got in the way"? When Aaron Hicks has been an injury-prone player for his entire career, that is the number one reason you don't give a guy seven years. You do not give a guy seven years who's always injured. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But I'm saying, as a baseball player on the field, he was he was putting it together and seemingly was good. But then yep. every time he got injured, he was never able to like come back from it or rebound and become that that same guy. It was just he was just very. Uh, very different and became very much not a good uh, not a good piece of the team. Logan, I know we um I know we like to you know shit all over Hicks, but don't forget he what he did was coming back from that wrist sheath in, injury, which is the injury that ended Mark Teixeira's career. Like that is like a death sentence. So you know I mean uh, yeah, maybe but, is that but part at of the, the same time, why? Mark Teixeira was a very different hitter. No, and, I know, but and, and the he was he was taken away from the power that he had. Uh, as as that as a different type of pitter, I, th- I think it does that 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 injury. Granted, everybody everybody's different. Every bodies are different. Um, but with Teixeira, I don't know. It just it seemingly is. Uh, I, I understand why it affected him more. Exactly. So that was nice of you. That was really nice of you. That was it was, that was, it was throwing him. I was bone. trying. I was trying to throw him a bone. But let's you know. not forget the Yankees were able to acquire Aaron Hicks for pennies on the dollar, basically because of his injury history in Minnesota. He then did have a couple of productive years when he was on the field for the Yankees, which 
is the reason Brian Cashman was like, okay, I'm going to give this guy, I'm going to lock this guy up because he is valuable when he's on the field. But at the same time, you have to look at that and say, I'm not going to sign a guy through his, it would have been his age 36 season, I believe they were, they were signing him through, which for Aaron Hicks, 36 years might as well be 46 years old, just like how his body was breaking down. You're not, it's just not smart. That just wasn't smart. I remember saying it at the time. I was I had no yeah, problem. Yeah, no, with I know the you AAV. did. We, we disagreed with it uh, around that time. So, um, good. We don't have to talk about Aaron Hicks anymore. That's positive. Well, That's a great thing for this prove- podcast and for my sanity and for all Yankee fans. We said we were going to do Aaron Hicks's best moments when he finally got DFA'd. So I think we have to honor him with that. Go ahead. Okay. 108 the miles t- per hour. That's it. The, yeah, the time he threw 108 miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. His diving catch to save the wild ass game in Minnesota. Was a nice catch. His play, his playoff home run that against Justin Verlander in 2019 in the first inning. We were at that game right down the line. And then May 18th, 2023, three hits versus Toronto last week. <laughs> those are the those are the moments I came up with. Those are the, the four moments I came up with. The home run against the Astros last year that stole that game. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Can we never say his name again? <clears throat> no, he's not something, that level. Something tells me we're not going to never say his name again. Because also, let's remember, no team is picking him up because they're not going to pay him. So they don't need to pay him. That has nothing to do with it, that he would get a minimum contract. The Yankees no, pay him. If no, what Once I mean he clears, is no, no one's going to claim him off waivers. Correct. Okay? So, once he clears waivers... He he. The Yankees could say, "We're outright releasing you." Hopefully, is what they do, or they could send him to Scranton. He would have to accept the Scranton job. Yes, yeah. he would have to accept the Scranton job. Oh God, I hope he does not accept the Scranton job. I'm, I, I think I don't think that's going to happen because I think at this point it's done. But I'm not putting it at zero percent. Um, all right. Well, are you are you fully done with the with the Aaron Hicks DFA? Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. That's all I got, it? man. Okay. I'm not gonna it's I'm been, not gonna dance on his grave. You know, okay. it was. I felt like it was coming. It's been it's been a, a good stretch for the Yankees. I was listening to the game on the radio today, and uh, I caught some of the post game. And Susan was interviewing Glaber Torres, and in his interview, he said, "We're back." So, do you agree? I don't. First of all, I don't know what "back" means. I don't know what. These Yankees are back, but do you think the Yankees have turned a corner? I'll phrase it that way. I think they're getting healthier. That's that's a big piece of this, right? The, them being back is is them having a lot more of their weapons back at their at their disposal. And I think today was a was a reason uh, because Luis Severino was uh, was able to come back and pitch. I think that's a big deal. And so when I hear that, I'm, I'm hearing guys are coming back, they're feeling good, and that's the and that's that's the reason why I think Labor's talking about them being back. Yeah, I think they weathered the storm. I think if you look back to their last 13 games, which is the start of the Oakland series, they're 10 and 3. But even before that, I kind of put the the turning the corner point when Harrison Bader came back and and was immediately yeah. impactful because that was also right around the time that Aaron Judge went out. So you're 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 feeling really down right there as a Yankees fan, but at least Bader was giving you something. And he was really making an impact. And that sort of, even though they lost that Tampa series, which I think was his first series back, or he was back a couple days before that, but like he had a great series in Tampa. The Yankees lost that series, but it still was like, okay, Bader's been awesome. The team fought in Tampa. They wiped the floor with Oakland. 
and then and then they've played and then really Judge well came back. since then. Yeah, and then yeah, Judge and came then, back, owned the Blue Jays, continued to own the Reds this weekend. Now Severino's back. They've leapfrogged the Red Sox. They've leapfrogged the Blue Jays in the standings. They've got uh, Baltimore on the schedule this week, trying to catch Baltimore in the standings. So, like, I do feel like they they do they have some momentum right now. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, again, like get some bodies back. We know Stanton's going to be uh, rounding, rounding form, trying to get, get back in the, in the near future as well. So, um, and that's big, you know, when you know, you have your guys coming back, it just gives you another air of confidence, I think. And who the hell knows on the pitching side, but at least Severino right now is back. Nestor's feeling, I, I'm, I'm definitely feeling much better about him after uh, watching his his last start and just hearing him talk and be very honest about how he feels and looks. Um, I think it's refreshing. But yeah, they're they're definitely in a good spot. And it's a big series against Baltimore because Baltimore is young, dumb, hungry, and very talented. Yeah, well, I want to talk about Severino, but first I want to tell you guys about Athletic Greens. AG1 is so much more than a greens powder. It is all of your key health products rolled up into one. I cannot stress how convenient it is. It's just a scoop and 12 ounces of water and you are good to go. You shake up the bottle and it is delicious. AG1 is loaded with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It gives you so many benefits, but having had it every single day since October and sometimes twice a day, I've noticed that it promotes better sleep quality and recovery and it gives me some good gut health with pre and probiotics. Each serving of AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial flavoring. And it also costs less than $3 per serving, which is very, very affordable. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by athletes and health experts around the world for good reason. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. One more time, that's athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes for that awesome deal. Sevi coming back. A little brunch baseball, 75 pitches on the nose, exactly to plan. He was an out away from actually, you know, getting through five innings and potentially mm-hmm. getting the win there. But mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of positive signs, not only like sweeping the series, but sweeping it with Severino returning in a time where they're going to need it because of Herman's suspension. And you look good. It's not like he just came back and, and threw 75 pitches to throw 75 pitches. They were they were strong. It was a strong outing. It was a strong outing, and, and yeah, he was one uh, one out away from from closing out a full five um, in seventy five. So that's, everything I saw looked good. The ball looked like it was coming out of his hand well, um, and you know the pop was there. I thought he had some good movement on some of his secondary pitches. So I was really really happy with uh, with the way that he pitched today. I thought it was it was awesome seeing him back. So the run in the first inning, I want to talk about this play. So yeah. Severino walks the leadoff hitter. That's obviously never ideal. And he comes around to score on that ball down the right field line when Bauer slides and can't make the basket catch. And the umpire rules it as a foul ball. Uh, so Bowers immediately just stands up and thinks the play is dead. But then they go back to look at it and they ruled it a fair ball, which it clearly was a fair ball. And they award the runner home. Boone comes out, freaks out, gets thrown out. I So this is one of those weird plays where I actually see it from both sides. I see what Boone is saying. Hey, you called it a dead ball, so my right fielder stopped, didn't go after the ball. So of course the run is going to score. But had he gotten up quickly and thrown the ball in, maybe that runner stays at third base. I understand that. I also understand it from the Reds' point of view. 
First of all, that's clearly a fair ball. Why the hell are you calling it foul so quickly? And number two, that's two outs. The runner is running with with the crack of the bat. He is scoring 100 times out of 100, especially when the guy is sliding and can't make a catch. There's no chance of him throwing him out at home plate. So this is one of those weird baseball plays where it's up to the umpire's discretion and both teams each team is going to be unhappy with the decision because each thinks they're in the right. And I do see both sides. You know, when uh, we were talking about this, the ground rule double situation with an umpire, and it's just a, it's an opportunity for an umpire to make a decision based on where the runner is. And that is his decision uh, and, and the feel for the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So this conversation immediately brings back horrors of 2004 ALCS. That was game five in Fenway Park, where Tony Clark hits that ball down the right field line, and it bounces into the stands because it's a two-foot fence out in Fenway Park right field. And Gary Sheffield is held up at third base, even though there were two outs on the play. Gary Sheffield was literally halfway to third base when that ball was bouncing into, you know, when that when that ball went into the stands. He is what year was this? There. 2004. Okay. The, the year the Yankees, you know. So he scores on that play so easily if that ball doesn't bounce into the stands. It was obviously a lucky break for the Red Sox, bad break for, for the Yankees. The umpires can, by the letter of the law, use their discretion and say he would have scored on that play. And they didn't. 
And I also understand why they didn't. It's a ground rule double and you get two bases. But you can also look at where the runner was and say, no, it's two bases from that point. So it's one of those really, again, I come back to, I, I, I see both sides, not to play it down the fence there, but I do think that run should have scored today. It's also because it was a fair ball and it was clearly a fair ball. Bauer slid in fair territory. It's like, just pick up and throw the ball. Either way, when the if, if the runner if there if there's two outs and the runner's moving, no matter what Bowers does, he's scoring because he's essentially on second base. It's like a single yeah. uh, scoring from second base at that point. So there's there's not a lot that um, there's not there's not a huge argument against it to be honest. Like the guy's scoring, and it's a it's a it's a dead ball when the umpire calls it. That's nothing. Boone saying that it was called a dead ball, but my guy could have got it. It's, it's a moot point. It really doesn't matter because he was going to score no matter what. And uh, I thought it was interesting how they used the bullpen today. So Peralta pitched the eighth inning, faced all right-handed hitters, nine, uh, eight, nine, one in the order. And they brought in Holmes to close out the game, facing two, three, four, a righty, a lefty, and a righty. And Holmes obviously got into a bit of trouble. It was scary there at the end, but he, he got out of the jam. Uh, do you think this is Holmes getting the job back for the ninth inning, or they're just continuing to rotate their guys, trying to get everyone some time closing. Or a third option, for whatever reason, the matchup said Peralta is better against those hitters in the eighth, and Holmes is better for those hitters in the ninth. I think it's a matter of who's available and and looking at the matchups. That's 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 how they're playing it, and that's I'm happy they're playing it that way. So no, it's not it's not him getting the ball in the ninth. And keeping it for forever, it's going to matter on who's the, who's in front of them, what the situation is, who's available for a seventh and eighth inning, uh, and and then who's coming up, you know, in theory for the ninth. So, I think it's totally situational at this point. I don't know. I I kind of feel like they maybe are trying to get Holmes the ninth inning back because he's been really good and he's been good in high leverage spots, even though they've been in the seventh and eighth inning. He's locked them down. And so I'm wondering if he's won his job back. I guess time will tell and we'll see if if he gets the next save opportunity. Or I mean, they, they've been or, talking about, about you know, leveraging different different guys in different innings as well for things. So, I, I mean, the even what's coming out of like, you know, post game uh, interviews and things like that, it, it does not feel like that at all to me at all. I think that this is strictly a, the look and see opportunity and what's in front of you, and and if if the matchups work and if if Holmes is available, then then you go. Especially with Peralta being a lefty, like I, I definitely think they have the opportunity to match up. Um, in different situations better. So well, the matchups would have said Holmes for the eighth inning facing all righties and Peralta for the ninth inning because even though it was two righties, there still was one lefty in that spot. It depends on what who it, who they are and and uh, and if there's a previous history. And you know, again, like that well that well, very well could be where they're just giving him some ninth inning reps just to get it back in. But I don't think it's necessarily because they want him to have the job back because it's working, frankly. <laughs> I don't, there's no it reason for them to do the that. Three, the big three, if we're going to call King, Holmes, Peralta, the big three in the bullpen, rotating them based on matchups and leverage spots yeah. and who's available has been working. Logan, can you say what you said before we pressed record? So when we were talking about like the semantics of it? Yeah. Like, so they, they want to be able to put Holmes in the ninth inning, like on occasion, have that as an option. They want King to be able to do it. They want Wandy to be able to do it. 
But today, like maybe they just wanted to do it like as a confidence thing, kind of like what Scott was saying, like get him some ninth inning reps, the matchups will call it a neutral for, you know, sake of argument and then do it like that. But he's not going to be the closer. He's not going to be the only one closing games. It's just going to be. So a, I think know. there's some merit to what he's saying. And it's such a boon comment. It's ex- probably exactly what's going through their stupid brains where it's like we want him in the ninth, but not all the time. But sometimes we want him in the ninth. And since he hasn't pitched the ninth in a long time, we're going to get him the ninth inning today. But he's not the closer, but he closed today. So he was the closer today, but he's not the closer. But he could be the closer. But King could be the closer. And, and Peralta could be the closer because Peralta was the closer the day before or three, two days, but whatever it was. You know, I think it's exactly that sort of semantics bullshit. Reps are a good thing. If a guy is not confident in the ninth inning in a relative close game, Get him some reps in there so that you can have oh, the so, op- think he's op- so that you have the ability to give him the high leverage situation in the ninth inning. High leverage situation in the eighth inning, high leverage situation in the seventh inning is different, feels different than a high leverage situation in the ninth inning. So yes, in Cincinnati against a team that's not very good in a three with three run lead, give him the ball to give him the opportunity for the save. Again, get that ninth inning and it, it almost didn't work. So I don't know where the confidence me, level okay, is. At I want to ask you. Let's ask. I want to ask you this: one run lead, ninth inning, clean ninth inning. You're facing a heart of an order. Okay, yeah. heart of the Astros order. Michael King up, or or heart. Okay, and if Michael King's not available, who are you going to? Right now, uh, I feel better with Peralta. Okay. Holmes is probably number three on my list as far as confidence. And you know who's been throwing the ball really well, which I would never trust in the ninth inning but I do love him right now because he's throwing the ball really well and he's got all the tools in the world, is Abreu. He looks really good. But you and, cannot trust him. Abreu, in the, you cannot trust him in a, in, a, in a ninth inning situation. He's just too raw. And but how he, many times... He could has, still walk out there and, and walk six guys and you know, in a row and not I even throw like a strike. Every year, there's an Albert Abreu who, at the start of the year, you would never trust in a high lever spot. And then by the middle or late in the year, he's going to start to get some spots because he's he's been effective. I feel like the Yankees have one of those in the bullpen almost every year. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about May 21st right now as we're recording this on Sunday, May 21st. I'm not giving him that situation unless it's just like a you know, very low leverage, uh, not a save opportunity. But he's, he's, he's definitely gaining more confidence and gaining more of the trust. That That's more of my point is that he could, if he continues that and 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 puts down more tape so that we can see this and is acting more consistent, his his problem has always been consistency. I mean, shit, how many organizations gave up on this guy? We Yankees released him, then got him back from from Texas after he was yeah. released. So he's been he has been given up on many times, and much of it is because of the control issues that he has and inconsistency. So. If they're able to get this guy to a place that's consistent, and he's able to, you know, mature his his uh, his playing, uh, his mechanics, and all those things to a point where he's able to do this on a nightly basis for for, you know, multiple strings in a row, then then hell yeah, because he's got everything you possibly want. He really does. Yeah, yeah, and so Logan, what are you saying in the chat about Ian Hamilton? No, I was just saying that like Ian Hamilton is that guy that you didn't like expect to be anything but is really good and could be 
Uh, yeah, that probably fits better because Abreu's been around for a couple years, but I feel like the Yankees have never had a shortage of guys come through either the system or acquired from another team that has turned into a valuable bullpen piece. Oh, of course. They, they're they really good at building a bullpen, but with Abreu, I mean, this is Abreu. He's just, he's, he's really He's a development bad. project, and it's a matter of him actually turning the corner and figuring it out because he's, we've always seen him with, in spurts be very good and dominant. Like, you flash it, you're like, oh my God, this guy's got everything you possibly want. But the whole point of his career is that he hasn't been able to put it together in, in a consistent way. And he's starting to kind of do that. And, you know, if, if in the, after the All-Star break in the second half, if, you're, if we're still seeing that consistency from a guy like this that's, you know, has a much higher, uh, a much better uh, walk, walk to strikeout ratio, then he could start earning more of that trust. But he's got the ability for sure. We've kind of seen it before. It's just he he blows up like he has his blow up outings. But if he comes in in clean innings, he's really bad at getting in uh, of with inherited runnings. But he like in the past has had stretches of like, wow, this is really good. Like extended yeah. stretches. So I'm looking up, I'm pulling up his Fangraphs page right now, and he's got a walk rate of four, mm. six point five five this year. Shit. I bet that's a lot better in the last few outings though that's a 15.8 yeah. percentage his his uh his career is 13.4 percent so he's still you know control is is going to be always the the key with him control is always his issue and which is which goes back to mechanics I, yeah over the last two weeks i bet that's much much better but yeah. i feel like this person is mowing the exact same part of the yard over and over and over again, just because I'm out here. Is it so? It's not. It's your neighbor mowing the lawn. Yeah, a little yeah. Sunday afternoon. Lo- yeah, lawn, yeah, I'm having my first coral. A ride mower or a push mower? Oh, I feel like people mower. have ride mowers out there. It's definitely it's a zero turn ride mower, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we talk about the rest of the series, I have to tell you guys about our good friends Shady Rays. It is almost summertime, which means it's going to be sunny outside, and you're going to need a brand new pair of sunglasses. Shady Rays has you covered with premium polarized shades that are just as good as any expensive pair you can buy. They also have the most insane protection plan, which covers you if you break or lose your pair, no questions asked. Or if you get them, you try them on, and they don't fit your face, or you're just not feeling it, you can return them free for 30 days uh, in that policy as well. They have over 200,000 five-star reviews for a good reason. The glasses are lightweight and durable, and they're built for outdoor activities, whether you're at the beach or golfing or at the pool or whatever you want to do, maybe mowing your lawn. They have dozens of styles and color combos to choose from for both men and women, and they make a really good gift when Father's Day is right around the corner. So pick up a pair for you and your dad. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code BRONX for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That is an awesome deal that Shady Rays is giving our listeners exclusively. Again, code BRONX for 50% off two or more pairs. Check them out. You're going to love them. Aaron Judge. Listen to these. Uh... Listen to these numbers since coming off the IL. 12 games, 378 batting average at 17 for 45 with seven home runs and 18 RBIs in those 12 games, a 1,400 OPS. He had four hits on Saturday, including the game. Uh, it was at the, 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 it was a key double in the fifth inning to um, get them closer. I don't think that was, that was not the tying, the tying RBI, but, but that was uh, in the comeback there. And then the winning single in the 10th inning. And then the night before, he also hit a home run after demoralizing the country of Canada. 
Player of the Week uh, award as well. The guy, the guy is uh, coming back on on absolute fire, and really the team needed it too. They needed a uh, a massive uh, push, and and offensively they needed someone to really carry him, uh, carry the team, so that other guys can key off of it. But he's been awesome, man. He's so good. He's so very li- good. The lineup, it's a cliche, but like the lineup is just different when he's hitting like this because. <clears throat> He impacts the three guys coming. He impacts the three guys before him when the lineup is turning around, and then the three guys after him. He's like he almost touches everybody in the lineup when he's this good because you have to prepare for him coming up. You can't walk someone ahead of him because Judge is going to come up, or he's going to be on base for someone coming up after him. It's such a massive impact. Yeah, and when he when he's got that that sweet stroke and like just air of confidence, and you can see it in his face, he's almost unstoppable. He he's really. I, I don't want to. He, when he's up, is he? Do you think that he's the most feared hitter in baseball? Um, after last year, probably. Yeah, I think he I is. Mean, after you hit 60, 62 home runs, yeah, you're the most feared hitter in baseball. And, and the way that he does it too, because it's not like he's got that. He's just such a. He's got such a, a quiet confidence, and you you can see it all over his it's not like it's not like an arrogance whereas you know some guys just look cocky and like act cocky and maybe maybe people feel different that are not Yankees fans I don't know I don't think so but possibly um who, who just, would you I mean who, who's in that, the conversation damn. who's in the conversation for most feared hitter Jordan Alvarez possibly Trout like Harper no I mean he's coming back from injury but like I don't know yeah, Otani, I don't know. Otani, I feel like as amazing as he is, has has more holes in his uh, offensive game than Judge does. He, I mean, he does. There's no doubt about it. But um, so, like, as far still, as like, listen, I'm not saying Otani's overrated or anything. Like, do not mischaracterize what I am saying. I'm just saying, like, I would not say Otani is as feared a hitter as Judge is. Judge is a much more complete hitter than Otani is. So when I, I'll, I'll tell you just a, a gut feeling I had when, um, when Vlad Guerrero Jr. the other day came in to pinch hit, I was like, oh shit. Like that's, yeah. he gives me that, that type Especially of feeling. the Yankees. Yeah. So Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think is one of those guys and he's more of like a, you know, he's got more of a violent swing. He's just more, when I, when I see, when I see him swing the bat, it looks, uh, it looks different. I don't know. There's there there to me. That's a that's a guy that I I just don't want to see up because he can do a lot of things. And I I I'm sure a lot of people think that of Aaron Judge the same way. It's just like he he's got a different type of. He's so quiet and so unassuming while doing this thing. He's like a he's like a quiet assassin. Uh, so so I'm, I'm very curious how other fan bases like how they feel about him as far as like him stepping up into the box. Do you think that? the most feared hitter is different for like fans than it is opposing pitchers because like i feel like opposing pitchers would say like someone like stanton just because of how like hard he hits the ball or something like that yeah maybe and and well it, it depends it depends what week you catch stan if you catch stan on a good in week in a hot in a hot week in a hot week a, like yeah i'm not trying to he's a he 120 t- mile an hour fat, uh line drive right back at you anybody yeah you're looking at him like nah that's I, i'm i'm good um but yeah I, it's probably it's probably true there's probably different on the field uh you know because guys are 
you know, like a guy, for instance, like a guy like DJ LeMay, can, at his peak, can spray the ball anywhere. If I'm a pitcher and I'm in a situation like I don't want to see him because anything I try to do, that guy's going to be able to get on. Unless, you know, I'm trying to get, you know, if, there, if the one thing I can't give up is a home run, then I don't mind seeing him. But if I have to get a guy out in a particular point, like he's the last guy I want to see or one of the last guys I want to see because he can do so many things even if I make a good pitch. Um, but some of these big power hitters, if you make a good pitch in the right spot, you can get them out. The problem is, is that there's not very many of those spots to, to get uh, on a guy like Aaron Judge or even Vlad Guerrero. Who would you say in our lifetime of watching baseball is the most feared opposing hitter? The first guy I think of is Manny Ramirez. Yeah. It's got to be Ma- like Manny, Ortiz, uh, Pujols. Like those those three come to mind. Bonds, obviously. Bonds, for sure. But uh, like what guys that we had the Yankees seen. Just, the Yankees just didn't face Bonds. We didn't face Bonds a ton. Yeah, so exactly. Like, Ramirez I, was the guy. I, had I, night- I did not had- want to see Manny Ramirez up. I had nightmares about Ortiz Manny coming up in the next inning. I was like, oh, yeah. the Yankees have a one run lead and and Ortiz and Manny are leading off the inning. We're fucked. Like how do how do uh, does Pete Alonzo and give Paul that vibe to people? Huh? Pete Alonzo? No. Yeah. I'm serious. He gives that to He's, people? I'm wondering if he does. He's such a goober that it's really difficult for big me to take him seriously. Big, but big he, but he mashes. Play. Yeah. He does. He does so many things are well. You looking at like, are you looking at what list? I'm looking at number. I was looking at Alonzo's numbers here, and he was a guy that I was thinking of. But the 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 air of confidence, the way that you carry yourself, matters in a moment. Manny was scary. Like Manny walked up, like you knew nothing else mattered. Well, he was just trying to hit the shit Manny, out of the ball. Because you knew like no thoughts were going through Manny's mind. Except there aren't a lot of like, thoughts going through Pete Alonzo's mind ball, at any ball. point. You know. Yeah, but like Manny was like so aloof, it was scary because like no moment bothered him. He couldn't tell you if it was a big, Manny couldn't tell you if it was a big moment because he didn't know if it was a big moment. That's right. That's probably true. That's true. It's so, but that, my point is, is that it matters in like the confidence of the player and the way that they, the way that they carry themselves for you to feel that fear as a fan for them coming up. You, cause you have guys like, like Jansen, great example. Jansen. He's a he's a middling catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays that has amazing numbers against the Yankees. Like that's a guy I didn't want to see. Who was the other guy that uh, the outfielder for the Blue Jays that 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 left? Um, oh, what's his name? Anyway, there was a, there there are certain guys that kill the Yankees. Gurriel, you don't want to see up. No, you're thinking about Pilar. Nope, I'm not nope. thinking about Pilar. I'm thinking that about left the Blue Jays. Yes. Uh, who'd who'd they trade? Who'd they trade to Arizona? Gr- who, who'd you say? Grit. Gritchick. Yes, him. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. had ridiculous numbers against the Yankees, and only the Yankees it felt like. But a guy like Manny was was just uh, I don't know, man. He just so, he, he made me. Very I know nervous. I've I know I've referenced this book a number of times, but the Joe Torre Yankee Years book uh, that. Uh, it was I, I thought it was really good. I read it so long ago, but he he was pretty forthcoming trashed A-Rod a good amount, so I got some enjoyment out of it. He said A-Rod was his own worst enemy in big moments because he was such an intelligent baseball player that he would overthink the big moments. It's like it was not a talent issue. Everyone knows steroids or no steroids, A-Rod was potentially the most talented baseball player of the past you know, 50 years. But get in a big moment and he would crap his pants because he would be thinking three times over what's this pitcher going to throw me rather than just using his natural talent to hit the ball. Yeah, and that's why he would never have been on my list. Granted, he was on the Yankees for a while, but he and and he just he wasn't he never struck that 
that chord for me as as an opponent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if you're a National League guy and you're and you're in the NL East and you see Edgar Martinez. Acuna. Edgar Martinez. I didn't want to face Edgar Martinez because he was one of the best pure hitters I had ever seen. But he, but he I murdered, wasn't fearful. I mean, he was a little bit like in the '90s, so like it was, it was you know people might not remember as much. But he he murdered the Yankees. He had like a 400 lifetime average against the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Like a guy like Acuna. I know Ilya's looking at might up be and one he's going to tell me, "Oh no, he hit 272. You're an idiot." But like, I don't know. I feel like Edgar Martinez hit 400 against everyone. Um. Benny Biceps also made his uh, debut with the Yankees with a couple yeah. of hits and two runs scored. What do you think? How do you think Rorvet looked? Looks like an athlete. That's what he looks like. Fit. He, <laughs> he looks, looks fit. He looks like yeah. He's like he's an Instagram model as well. He's a good looking dude. He's got some uh, got some biceps. He's matted up. His biceps are tatted up. Yeah, he's he's just hitting ropes up the middle as well. Like I'm I'm I don't know what the what the plan is with him and with. Um, you know, with uh, with Trevino coming back, it does Vorfett just go back to AAA and and that he's just you know a guy waiting in the wings? Um, does is Higgy at some point on on a on a hot seat? Like I probably no, not because I, I of think, his relationship no. with the catching catching no, Trevin- uh, or with the pitching no, staff. They're not they're not messing with as long as they're both he- healthy. Trevino and Higgy, they're not messing with that this year. Like you want to make a change, you do it in the offseason. You don't you don't mess with the catching tandem right now because it's still been a very valuable catching tandem. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they will. Um, but it's, I'm glad he's it's healthy, nice so we have, can kind of see what he is. Yeah, I'm glad he's it, healthy. It's, it's nice to have a defensive catcher like him that, if one of them goes down, you could trust to, to come in and not miss a beat as far as defense goes. And then whatever you get offensively from him is kind of just gravy. And he was hitting well in AAA before he came up, and you'd expect yeah. any big leaguer to hit well in AAA, I, I, I guess. But um, when he was with Minnesota. There was a lot of swing and missing, a lot of swings and misses with him. So we'll see. How much time did he actually have in the majors with Minnesota? I don't think a ton. There wasn't a lot. Um, Did we get, did we get, uh, I'm curious about um, Edgar Martinez's numbers now. Uh, The, the Friday, the Friday win. So Clark Schmidt, another sticky stuff controversy. He uh, was inspected for a 317 for Edgar versus the Yankees. I don't know. It felt like 417 in the moment. It's 317. Nothing to nothing to sneeze at though. Maybe it was just that big hit. In I was going to say who hit? Wasn't he the one who got the hit that scored? He got Griffey? the double in 95 to score Griffey. Yeah. Yeah. And the Don Mattingly's career. Fuck you. And now he now Don Mattingly. That was weird. That was weird seeing Don Mattingly. Seeing Mattingly as yeah. part of that. Yeah. And like when the cameras would cut over there, when there was a moment where the 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 you know, they're talking about a particular thing and Mattingly's in there. I'm like, I, I forgot. And then I saw him and I, I, I got, well, like Schneider's having moment. himself, Schneider's having himself a bad week and it's karma for calling Wilkerson fat boy because he, uh, he didn't remember that the pitching coach went out to visit Alec Manoa. Right. And then, so he went out there and he had to pull him. That so was fun. That bad week for, for fat boy Schneider over there in Toronto. Yeah. He, to, he, he needs to be careful because, uh, there's a manager they're in last, on the they're bench. In last place now. Yeah, there's a manager sitting right there by the name of Don Mattingly, who did pretty well with the Florida Marlins and did you know has has got a pretty good track record. So that be would care- be... I'd be careful there who you're uh, who you're throw- slinging uh, fat boy comments at there. 
Well, that would be really interesting if Mattingly ends up managing the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays are trying so hard to make the Yankees thing a rivalry. And like, there's a lot of bad blood there. And there's no more, there's not, it's hard to find someone more beloved in Yankees fandom than Don Mattingly. Yeah, I just, I really hope it doesn't happen. I really hope it doesn't happen. I hope he, I hope he does all the things he knows needs to do to to show people that he can get a managerial job somewhere else and go do that in the offseason and not uh not take over at any point for this team. Preferably a National League team where we Preferably, don't have to face yeah, him. Yeah, go go somewhere, go somewhere in the National League, except yeah. for the Mets, and have a, have a great career. Okay, or shit, so, come manage the Yankees, please, please come manage the Yankees. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't know that if Don Mattingly is a great manager. I like Don Mattingly. At, in concept, but I don't know if he's a good manager. Yeah, I don't know. I'd still, you give me uh, one person right now, if I had to choose one person to manage this I'll team, tell you I would this. still pick Willie Randolph. I know that Brian Cashman does not think Don Mattingly is a good manager because he could have brought him in after Joe Torrey or after Joe Girardi, and he didn't. Yeah. I think that that's a tough position for a GM with a guy like Don Mattingly because of his history with the team. I think it's a tough position. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a weird it either work. It either works out and yeah. he wins some championships and rides off into the sunset or it's a disaster. Or you have to fire, have to fire him. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Can I talk about Clark Schmidt now? Yeah, let's do it. So he was inspected for the foreign substance on his wrist and he wasn't ejected. The ump said, just go clean off your wrist. And what was on his wrist was the fur from his glove. He was wearing a black glove and the fur... I guess, stuck to his wrist because he was sweaty. So it all comes back to sweat. We know sweat is the illegal substance in everything. Once you mix sweat with something, it's bad news. And so he had like this ring of like black, you know, fur and the umpires didn't know what it was. His hand wasn't sticky, but they were like, no, you got to go clean off your wrist. So the Reds manager, David Bell, was obviously ejected because he's like, you found something on this guy and, and you didn't eject him. And again, this is, not to sound like the the thing I said a, a few minutes ago about the play down the right field line, but like I get it, especially if you know with what just happened with Domingo Herman this uh, and what's going on this year in baseball. It's like if you tell a guy to go clean his hand off, you clearly found something, so kick him out of the game. I understand David Bell. If yes, I do too. And by the way, his tirade today was very weird and spastic, and like he looked awkward, and he was like doing some weird. Looked like he was almost spitting on the ground. He looked like a chicken. Like I don't know what was going on, (laughs) what he was doing. His like head was clucking a lot. Like he just it looked very it looked very awkward. It was just, and then he got taught. It was just very strange watching uh, watching his little tirade today. Look, if that fur from the glove, it's it's all it's like a uh, it's like a you know the 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 good luck rabbit fur. Rabbit foot. It's like that soft fur inside the the hand part of the glove. If that's coming off and and sticking to your arm, it's not sweat. There's something there that's on your arm that's making it stick to the arm. Uh, so, or you got I, a really cheap glove. Well, otherwise, then why are you? Which he doesn't. Why are Why are you telling him to wash it off? Wash what off? What are we washing off? The, the stuff the, that the, the stuff was sticking to. That's not sweat. Sweat doesn't. Sweat's not sticky. No, it's no. It's sweat not sticky. Stuff, yes, it is. What do you mean it's not sticky? If when you sweating, if you put sweat with something else, it's sticky. But it's not sticky by itself. Something would something would stick to you if you are sweaty because once you are once there's okay, but moisture, what's taking the fur off of your glove? Then something is friction. sticky. That's friction. 
nah, dog. That you know what? Like you, you don't. No, it doesn't just come off like that. Okay, it's so you're, weird. you're going, you're going conspiracy theory, and Clark Schmidt was doing something shady. I'm not saying he was doing anything shady. I'm saying that these mfers don't understand how sticky sweat and rosin get together. Clearly, nobody understands that chemical compound because it makes it things stickier than uh, than they are. And if there's a little bit of fur that's coming out, again, if you're just sweating and that stuff goes on you, what are you washing off? So the umpire said it's our discretion. So Ben, uh, Brian Onora was the umpire. He said they noticed something just a little tacky. It wasn't shiny. It wasn't dark like pine tar. It was that fuzz from the inside part of his glove. I, As a crew, we told him to go wash it off. Uh, he so what, but what off Bell is probably on- screaming, that what was, why did the fur stick to his arm? What was sticking to, what was sticky enough for that stuff, for that fur to come off of the glove and stay on his arm? Yeah, something. They, something. Well, he pitched five innings, five hits, two runs. And I think I wanted, what I wanted to talk about was what do they do, Brito or Schmidt, when Herman is eligible to return? So some numbers here. Schmidt, 10 starts on the season, a six ERA on the nose, but a 4.41 FIP. So I guess he's pitching a little bit better than his ERA would indicate, allowing 11 hits per nine innings, three walks per nine innings, but he is striking out 11 um 11 per nine. And well, then, the good news is, is that Brito was already sent down because of Seve. So the decision being made right. of Clark Schmidt staying on the roster at that point is going to have to be, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, that's going to be an interesting one because if when Herman's back. Yeah. You know what? I pulled these numbers before they made the roster move. Uh, it, just to, I mean, I, that doesn't mean we're not going to see Brito again though. No, we will 100% see Brito again. It's just a matter of like, this is this is his job now. He's He needs to stay stretched out. He's staying stretched out and, and will be available when needed. Yeah. It gives them, like, this is a good thing, actually, long-term. When you look at what the Yankees are doing and assuming that people won't stay healthy or something will happen because it always does, you have a guy like Brito who got some run in the major leagues, had, you know, tasted some success, uh, got some, some good uh, feedback from big league coaches. Now he's going to be that much more ready for the next time he's called because he will be called again. Yeah. And unless there's an injury, he can't come back for, was it how many days, 10 days or whatever the time that the time frame is, but the, uh, the Herman, they're saying he's not going to start until it would be the end of the month anyway. So that it's going to line up where I don't know. It'll line up for that 10th day potentially. They're yeah. going to have to fill a gap. They might do an opener at some capacity, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Like we said, Baltimore's on the schedule this week. They're uh, three games up on the Yankees in the standings, although I think their game is still going on right now. The Yankees have an off day on Monday, haven't had an off day in a while. Uh, Cole versus Bradish, Cortez versus Wells, and Schmidt versus Gibson is the pitching matchups. Cole, get off to a good start. Get the, get the series off to a right start on Tuesday. Yeah, it's a big it's a big series. I'm uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing this team uh, play against each other. This is gonna be a fun series. I think they're again they're 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 an entertaining team watching them just because they have a lot of really good young talent. And uh, you know, I'm not scared of that. I want I like I like watching two uh, two teams that are that are playing well go head to head. It's fun. It's more fun to watch that than the Yankees uh, just completely beat up on Oakland. It's fun for a different reason, I guess. And they needed that, but this is good baseball. 
And then, well, that's another, I guess the cynical way to look at the past little streak for the Yankees is other than Tampa, you've played a really strong, I guess, a falling Toronto team, mm-hmm. the Reds who aren't a good team, and Oakland who's obviously a bad team. Yeah, that's the glass half empty approach. I'm not taking that approach. I mean, and, and you play who's on your schedule. And if you can beat up on some bad teams to get back on track, then great, beat up on some bad teams. Well, now I don't like Libertura saying that they're back after uh, after after thinking about the competition because that could give you a, a false sense of confidence as well. I don't like Glaber Torres saying we're back because they haven't been anywhere since he's been on the team. <laughs> yeah, back to what? Back exactly. from something, okay, but back to what? Exactly. Exactly. No. I mean, they're, they um, are back. They're, Severino's back. Judge is back. Bader's maybe back. Maybe that's what he meant. Maybe yeah, that they're, health, he they're back. They're like, you know, we got our, our majority of our guys here. With some our more players are back. Our, our players, players are back. Yeah. Hicks is gone. We're back. <laughs> I can't believe Hicks is gone. I can. You guys thought I was crazy. I didn't think you were crazy. The amount of, I, the amount of time left on that deal. I just, I just didn't think they would do it. I, I didn't think they would finally do it. I, I think, I don't know, I thought because Cashman loves him or loved him. And Steinbrenner wouldn't want to look at the, you know, the next two and a half years paying this guy. I just thought they would wait on it. But I'm glad they didn't. I'm very glad they didn't. It was the right decision for the team. It was the right decision for the team. Do you think he gets picked up? He goes and plays somewhere? He gets a minor league offer from somebody. Yeah. 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 But he doesn't get a major league contract. He's not going to be automatically added to a roster. I don't think. Probably not. So he'll go, he'll, he'll go, he'll go play some Arizona. You know, he's going to Arizona. Everybody knows he's going to Arizona somewhere where he can play golf a lot. You can play golf everywhere in, in the summer. No, no. But if you're okay, we need to figure out the, Doesn't, I bet he lives in Arizona in the off season. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the, that's the, our Arizona is the golf state of the, of America. Okay. That's where he's going. That, you want to put, put, put money on that? He goes to the Diamondbacks. I would say that, well, who knows if the Diamondbacks want him? They just, the Diamondbacks released Madison Bumgarner earlier this year. Why are they going to then take Aaron Hicks? Because that's the same. <laughs> no, it's not the same. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. They don't want bad players. It's true. They don't want bad players. Nobody wants bad players. Aaron Hicks is a bad player. That's true. He's a bad player. Okay. Anything else? If that's it. Coming no up more. next weekend? Next, yeah, we got uh, we got everything coming up. It's next, next weekend. weekend. Next Less weekend. Than seven days That's away. Crazy. Crazy. Seven days from now, we're gonna be hungover. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Very hungover. Um and trying to figure that out with kids. That's not fun, by the way. Hungover with kids is not fun. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that yet. It's terrible. <laughs> it's actually one of the worst things. But we will be. I'm looking people, forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. People don't know that yet. What what people think? First of all, hungover with no kids is not fun. Who no, people that don't have kids, the- people that don't have kids, don't know that yet. That's what I'm saying. I didn't realize how bad it was until I was like, "Oh man, this is this adds another element." Because you can't not you can't you're hide. Not, no, it's you not can't your- just stop. Because usually when I was hungover, I would just you know, not not do things. You think waking up at 10:47 a.m. hungover. Is bad. 
Try waking up at 6.15 a.m. to a crying baby hungover, okay? Or, or a toddler hitting you in the face <laughs> while waking up with a splitting headache. I and then having the to take care of that kid. So I, I went to, uh, I had to I'm, I'm on Harrison duty today. He's napping right now. He randomly slept until 8.30 this morning, which he never does. So like yeah. nap was all thrown off. He's napping right now as we're recording this at 4 p.m. Eastern. Again, um, what, what a kid. He's, he's cooperating for us. He has right? been cooperating. I went to the bathroom, you know, five minutes to myself. And then I just hear like something hit the ground. It didn't shatter or anything like that. So my like, Harrison, are you okay? He goes, yeah. Five minutes later, two minutes later, whatever, as I come out of the bathroom, he had knocked over his water bottle mm -hmm. and somehow the top came off and there was just water everywhere and he had created a slip and slide in the <laughs> kitchen and was splashing his way through the kitchen. Covered, drenched. Innovative. I like it. That's good. That's That makes a lot of sense. If there's water on the floor, then you should play in that water. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great. We needed to clean the floors anyway. So there let's mop this up. Right. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for today's show. Um, and we will talk to you again after the Baltimore series. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.